Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's an exciting time of the year for some fighting. That's right. Dana White is persistent. He's keen on having Tony Ferguson fight in the octagon. We don't know where. We don't know the time. We don't know the place. But it's going to happen, and without a doubt, people are going to be looking to get in on that action, and we have the best place for you to go. My bookie, if you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little to win a lot, try a parlay. For instance, if you like a couple of the big favorites this week, parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. My bookie has more lines and better odds for the player than any other sports book around, and if you join right now, my bookie will match your deposit halfway, all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit two grand, you'll get an extra grand in free money to play with. All you have to do is use our promo code BLV, that's kind Capital BLV to activate the offer. Once again, that promo code is BLV to get your extra cash from my bookie. Bet, win, get paid, my bookie. What's up, everybody? Today is Tuesday, April 7th, 2020, day 26 of quarantine here in the COVID 19 era. It's been uh, boring, it's been slow, uh, it's been productive, some may say. Uh, not a whole lot going on. We had, we're coming fresh off of our Deke Simmons podcast, uh, uh, the O'Hara clan at the bonfire. We'll have that once a week, every Monday for you, for those listening. Uh, today, though, we want to jump into a bit of a more sensitive subject, kind of turning over to the dark side here, dark side of the ring, uh, if you will. We're going to talk about the, uh, the life and uh, uh, the death uh, former pro wrestler Chris Benoit, and uh, I think it was a two-hour documentary that aired last week on Vice TV. Uh, it's called Dark Side of the Ring, and uh, I think it's called Crave in uh, north of the border in Canada. Uh, and it was a part of the second season of Dark Side of the Ring. And the subject here, it's very difficult to watch because it covered the life and death of uh, uh, the professional wrestler Chris Benoit, who in his heyday was considered one of the greatest pro wrestlers of all time. But nobody would know it because nobody has uh, uh, spoken of Chris Benoit since the horrific events that took place uh, in early June of 2007. Chris Benoit was great at his job, but again, that doesn't really matter anymore because uh, all he will be to a lot of people, with good reason is the guy that killed his wife, Nancy, and his son, Daniel, in, like I said, June 2007. And the double murder-suicide is arguably the worst thing that has ever happened in wrestling history at the time when Benoit was one of the top superstars in WWE. We'll get into Chris Benoit. Chris Jericho was kind enough to uh, share an Eddie Guerrero story on his uh, Saturday Night Special, a question that I asked him via Facebook. So thanks again, La Champion, Chris Jericho, for that. We'll get into uh, New Jack, uh, another Dark Side of the Ring episode, which I found very fascinating. We'll get into that after we uh, discuss... The, the, the life and death of Chris Benoit and the Benoit family here on episode 179 presented by Belly Up Sports. If you don't follow Belly Up Sports, be sure to follow them on the Twitter at Belly Up Sports. And this episode of The O Show is sponsored by TickPick. Use the promo code OSHOW10, that's capital O-S-H-O-W-10, for $10 off your next order using TickPick.com. And if you're into banging weights, eating steaks, and sleeping aids, head on over to Mecca Nutrition. Use the promo code OSHOW20, that's capital O-S-H-O-W-20, for $20 off your next order. Swole's the goal, size is the prize. 179, coming in hot.
So let me begin by saying that uh, I was not a wrestling fan. I don't think I started watching the WWE until I was in like sixth grade, which is odd because there was a lot of kids. My brother started watching it when he was in like second grade. I mean, that's when you start and you usually stop around middle school or high school. I picked it up in middle school and have, uh, have never let go since. But I was not a Chris Benoit fan because Chris Benoit, again, this happened in 2007, the time of uh, him and his family's death. So I didn't really get to know Chris Benoit, kind of didn't even know who he was. Again, what was probably one of the greatest wrestlers. He was up there with the John Cena's and the Triple H's and the Stone Cold Steve Austin's at, at a popularity level, the Eddie Guerrero's. And we'll talk about Eddie Guerrero in a little bit as well. But nobody knew who he was because of what he did. You have to look up what he did, and then you can understand why that they never want to mention his name again, kind of erasing him from the history books. Not to say that they're erasing him from the history books, but they don't want his name associated with the company anymore, and it's taken a toll on his son, David Benoit, who's still alive, uh, his sister-in-law, who uh, we'll talk about. They talk about this in the documentary. Again, it's a two-hour documentary on Vice, uh, Dark Side of the Ring, ben, the Benoit story, parts one and two. Uh, Chris Benoit, obviously, and we'll just go through uh, the start from start to finish here. Chris Benoit grew up in Edmonton, uh, out in Canada, and uh, there was always um, a big connection with Canadian wrestling fans because Canada is a big wrestling country. Um, they have a lot of local heroes, the Jerichos, Bret the Hitman Hart, Benoit himself, Christian Edge. Uh, and by the mid-1990s, um, everybody knew about him after his WCW debut. He started out in WCW, made the switch to WWE. He even had a, a, some time in New Japan. His name was Wild Pegasus. He was part of the Super J Cup in 1994, which is an amazing tape. If you ever have the time to check it out, you pro wrestling fans out there, uh, you pro wrestling junkies, it's a great match that he had. Um, and as an in-ring performer, again, Chris Benoit was one of the best and one of everyone's favorites in WCW. And then he joined WWE in, uh, I think it was 2000, at the start of the, uh, the next century. And everybody was ecstatic about it. I mean, fast forward, four, I think it was 2004 when he won the Royal Rumble in 2004. And then his only world title at WrestleMania 20 when he uh, had Triple H tapping out. Uh, uh, to the Crippler lock. Again, the Canadian Crippler, one of his many nicknames. Um, it was Triple Threat match. It was Triple H versus Chris Benoit versus Shawn Michaels in the main event of WrestleMania 20. I mean, those moments, everybody remembers. I mean, they're still on the WWE Network, but they can't promote it. I think the first 10 seconds, they actually have a, a, a subtitle come up saying that uh, viewer discretion is advised here because, uh, again, they don't want to associate themselves. They don't promote Chris Benoit at all, and um, I, I mean, I, I remember watching some of those events on the WWE Network. I mean, they don't celebrate those moments. They 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 don't promote them. Three years later, after I think it was two thousand and four, he won the title. It was three years later when he committed the double murder and killed himself. So all those feelings of happiness uh, when when you th think about Chris Benoit are completely gone. I mean, I can still watch Chris Benoit matches. But I, I think I could speak on behalf of a lot of wrestling fans that they don't have those happy memories anymore when they watch Chris Benoit. I know a lot of wrestling fans that can never watch Chris Benoit matches again, while others don't mind it at all. I mean, it's up to how you view it, I guess. But I, I just wanted to give my perspective that uh, as, a, as a wrestling fan, again, I didn't 
get to watch Chris Benoit at the time in in live. But Chris Chris Benoit, the wrestler, one of the greatest wrestling technicians of all time, one of the greatest powerhouses of all time. The intensity, the discipline. Uh, but I can't I can't think of him the same way that uh, a lot of people used to as a professional wrestler. I think the documentary was very well produced, and I know that they've wanted to do this for a long time. Again, this happened 13 years ago, so they finally uh, found the right people that they wanted to do this. It was well produced by, uh, uh, I think it was Jason Eisner and Evan Husney with interviews featuring um, key people in the Benoit story. Um, I've heard separate interviews with... Uh, Chris Benoit's oldest son, again, David Benoit, and then Nancy's sister, his sister-in-law, Sandra Tuffoloni, previously, but it was never presented in this capacity. And David, of course, was Chris Benoit's oldest son from his first marriage, and they lived in Edmonton, and that's where Chris spent a lot of his life, actually. And uh, they lost family members, and they aren't in the public eye, so we won't get to hear from them that often, but Chris and Nancy lived, of course, in the Atlanta area. That's when the deaths took place in Georgia. It was also nice to hear from people that were, of course, close with Chris and uh, Nancy and the Benoits, like Chris Jericho, Chavo Guerrero Jr., Vicky Guerrero, Dean Malenko. I think Julie Malenko, who's Dean Malenko's wife, made an appearance in this as well. Uh, um, many other people. They also featured interviews with uh, Matthew Randazzo the fifth. He wrote a good book about the Chris Benoit tragedies, and uh, even former WWE superstar Chris Nowinski, who provided a ton of great knowledge and insight on uh, Chris Benoit's concussion history. Uh, Jim Ross also did a good job in this, since he was a WWE executive when Benoit went there in 2000. Uh, The first half of this documentary focused on how Chris and Nancy Benoit each got into the wrestling business, uh, the way they became a couple was well known because Nancy at the time was woman. She was uh, what isn't around anymore. She wasn't a wrestler, uh, wasn't considered to be an athlete, but she was a, a manager uh, at the time, like Zelina Vega. But Zelina Vega today is a wrestler, you know? Like, you don't see that anymore. It's kind of it's kind of dead. Like, Vicky Guerrero, I think, was the last one. But even she had wrestling matches. I don't think Nancy ever had a wrestling match. Uh, but at the time, uh, they, they explained how both Nancy and Chris uh, got into the wrestling business. They explained how they got together because Nancy at the time was married to, uh, pro, pro, at the time, a big pro wrestler named Kevin Sullivan, uh, who was also a booker in WCW. And Sullivan booked a storyline where Chris Benoit stole Nancy, again known as woman at the time, which uh, led Nancy to leaving Sullivan for Benoit. Now, that was supposed to be a storyline. I don't think Kevin Sullivan knew at the time that he was booking his own divorce because Nancy would actually leave Kevin Sullivan for Chris Benoit in real life. I mean, there were other reasons for her leaving Kevin, as they covered in the documentary. There have been rumors to say that uh, he was abusing her physically, um, but he, he denied any comment, wasn't a part of the documentary. Um, another subject in the first half, again, this is a two-part uh, episode with Benoit, uh, another subject in this first half of the documentary was the relationship between Chris Benoit and, of course, his best friend, the late, great Eddie Guerrero. And that's important here because even though they had different backgrounds in life, they, they I mean, from what they showed here, 
they bonded because of their love of professional wrestling. They worked together in Japan, uh, WCW, ECW with Paul Heyman, and then obviously in WWE for several years. And David Benoit, again, the son of Chris Benoit, talked about uh, their famous hug at the end of WrestleMania 20. Of course, Eddie Guerrero, the WWE champion, Chris Benoit, the world heavyweight champion, having that special moment at the end of WrestleMania 20. Um, uh, and David Benoit said that he wished they both stopped wrestling there, like they both just stopped and retired right there, because that is probably one of the greatest pictures you'll ever see in pro wrestling history, and nobody can ever relive it. I mean, you, you can relive it on the WWE Network if you watch WrestleMania 20. They don't promote it, but if you can find it, it's one of the greatest and most sincere moments in uh, wrestling history when you have two best friends both working their ass off to get to the top. They both have their issues um, with concussions, with drinking, with, with whatever that they, they were dealing with at the time. And they both came together. I remember Eddie Guerrero, they told the story of how he uh, was fired from WWE, took a year or two off, and then had to come back because he uh, OD'd several times uh, to the point where Vicky Guerrero just left them there to die and just prayed to God, if, if you're going to take him, take him now. That's how bad it got for Eddie Guerrero. And those two picked each other up, and that was kind of like the culminating moment in both of their careers. Um, some of the stories here that were very emotional to watch involved Eddie Guerrero's death, unfortunately. I mean, when they showed Chavo Guerrero Jr. talking about Eddie's death, how he, he found him in the hotel, and then Chris Benoit's very emotional reaction to it screaming at the top of his lungs, that was very emotional. I mean, it showed how much Eddie meant to so many people, but especially to Chris Benoit. I mean, Vicky Guerrero told a story about how she saw Chris Benoit weeping, just weeping, sobbing, crying while he was in Eddie's bed because he, he missed his friend so much. And it was also kind of heartwarming, you could say, uh, to, to learn how caring Nancy Benoit was after Eddie Guerrero's death. I mean, Vicky Guerrero talked about how Nancy was there for her more than anybody else and how... There were times where Nancy was even at Vicky's house taking Vicky's daughters to school because Vicky was too distraught and just uh, uh, too traumatized to deal with it. And, and when you hear things like that, then you remember that Nancy Benoit was killed two years after that kind thing, and it just breaks your heart. Uh, it, it just shows us what kind of uh, an amazing uh, human being these people were and how Nancy Benoit was, which makes her tragic death even sadder because she isn't even recognized by anybody. I mean, again, kind of one of the pioneers when it came to women managers in pro wrestling. One of the first, again, it's a dying breed. Like, no, there's no women managers in wrestling today that aren't a wrestler. It's, if you're a woman manager, you're also a wrestler. Uh, so Nancy Benoit, I mean, Chris Jericho even touched up on, I think Chris Jericho summed up the feelings about, um, not only Eddie Guerrero and Chris Benoit the best, but also Nancy Benoit. He believes that Nancy Benoit should be in the WWE Hall of Fame. She should be recognized. Uh, she's being robbed because of this tragedy. Obviously, if you put Nancy Benoit in, uh, things are going to be brought up about Chris Benoit, and the whole story is going to be brought up, and it's just an unfortunate situation. But again, alluding back to Eddie Guerrero and Chris uh, Benoit, I think Chris Jericho summed up his feelings about his two former great friends the best. And Eddie Guerrero's uh, a hero that died tragically. Well, of course, Chris Benoit is a murderer that is ignored in the in the history books, as he should be. Um, if, if Chris Benoit were to only kill himself, as Vicky Guerrero alluded to in the documentary, but allowed Nancy and Daniel to live their lives, it would be a tragic story, and Chris wouldn't be hated like he is today. And 
There's a lot of talk about Chris Benoit being, uh, of course, a heavy steroid user, just jacking himself up. I mean, I, I believe it. Uh, going back to when he first started wrestling right up until, of course, the very end of his life, those final three days. They, they showed some texts from Nancy to Chris where she uh, commented on how the WWE wellness policy testing was a quote-unquote joke, just a complete joke. And Chris Benoit's brain damage due to concussions, was also covered with uh, the former WWE superstar, Nowinski, providing a lot of, again, a, great, a lot of great uh, insight into that. And, I mean, I've always, and this is just me personally, I've always been the biggest Chris Jericho fan, but my admiration for Chris Jericho grew even more after watching this, I gotta say. Uh, I mean, the, the same goes for Chavo Guerrero Jr. as well. I mean, David Benoit revealed that Chris Jericho and Chavo Guerrero Jr., were really the only guys that reached out to him after this whole ordeal. I mean, as Chavo said, David didn't do anything wrong here. They didn't mention David's sister that also lost a father, but clearly David Benoit was closest to his father. Uh, called him a hero multiple times in the documentary. Of course, uh, him and Daniel grew up together. Stepmom Nancy, who he said he never called her a stepmom, always treated her like, uh, uh, like an actual mother who, again, I mean, that's... I mean, that just shows how great of a human being Nancy Benoit was. I mean, I felt sad for Jim Ross, too, because he went to Nancy Benoit and Daniel's funeral as a lone WWE representative. And I, I think he, uh, I think it was Sandra, uh, uh, Chris Benoit's sister-in-law, Nancy's sister, she talked about how she yelled at Jim Ross while he was there, even though what Chris Benoit did has nothing to do with Jim Ross. I mean, I think the documentary showed that WWE wasn't caring enough in terms of looking after Nancy's family after what happened. And David also mentions that uh, he didn't hear from WWE people at all other than Chris Jericho and Chavo Guerrero. I mean, was it heavy steroid usage or concussions that caused Benoit to do what he did? There's no way of knowing for sure, and there's no way of telling why he did what he did in those final three days of his life. Nobody will ever truly know because only Chris Benoit had the answer. And I think, as some people said in the documentary, the grief over Eddie Guerrero's death had a terrible effect on him. He just did not handle it well. And, and that doesn't justify what happened, though, of course. I mean, Nancy and Daniel should be here today. Um, what Chris did was unforgivable. If, if you want to make excuses for him, I, I don't really want, um, I, I don't want to hear it. I mean, you can have brain damage or whatever else in your life, but the thought of killing your own wife and your own seven-year-old son is just despicable. I mean, kudos to the producers for trying to end this story on a happy note by showing both uh, Sandra and David Benoit together at, an AEW pay-per-view after Chris Jericho got them tickets. They showed clips of them talking to Jericho in the locker room after the show as well. I mean, Sandra referred to David as her nephew because that's what he uh, was for many years of her life, and I'm glad that they can uh, finally have that family relationship again because, again, nothing's more important than family, guys. I mean, uh, I think someone on Twitter said that, uh, he said, so much love and respect to Chris Jericho and Chavo Guerrero Jr., the true heroes of the Benoit story. You two are some of the best that wrestling, uh, the, the wrestling world has to offer. And Chris Jericho's like, nope, the true heroes of this story are David Benoit and, of course, uh, uh, Sandra, uh, Nancy Benoit's sister. Um, I mean, I thought this was an excellent, excellent documentary. I mean, the key thing is that they got the right people talking about it, of course, uh, uh, talking about Chris Benoit, Nancy Benoit, and Daniel Benoit. 
Is it an easy show to watch? Absolutely not. But I think there are some people that watch this that might cry when they talk about the Eddie Guerrero parts or the death of Nancy and Daniel. Some people may be disgusted with, of course, the grim details here about how Chris Benoit killed his family. I can watch any kind of show or movie without reacting to it much at all, but I cringed a bit during some of this because that's just because of how gruesome this murder was and how big of a deal it was at the time. I mean, if you're a wrestling fan, if you're a pro wrestling guy, then you should check the documentary out because they shared some information that even I didn't know as an aspiring journalist that covered this business um, um, uh, for that entire, it was 2005 when Eddie died and then 2007 when Chris died for those three years. I mean, the murder of innocent people is never an easy subject to talk about, but considering the, the subject matter here, it was very, very good storytelling. And for my personal feelings, I mean, again, I, I didn't get to see Chris Benoit as a professional wrestler, but I'm not a fan of his because of this. I mean, I stopped being a fan um, uh, of Chris Benoit. I think Chris Benoit, the wrestler, is just phenomenal. But when he killed two innocent people, I mean, you, you can't really support that. I mean, I know he wasn't in the right state of mind, but I'm, I'm not going to make excuses for him either. But uh, again, like I alluded to earlier, there was uh, uh, Chris Jericho was kind of talking about Dark Side of the Ring on a Saturday Night Special live streaming on Facebook uh, last Saturday. He's done it the past two weeks. I tried to get him to answer one of my questions. I think I put in like 12 questions uh, resulting, uh, revolving around rock and roll and professional wrestling a, a couple of weeks ago, and I didn't get an answer because 4,000 people are asking questions. However, this week I asked him a question, and he got to it. Uh, complimented me on my hair, which is nice, because Chris Jericho and I first met in uh, Tempe, Arizona, two years ago in 2018. Uh, he liked my leather jacket, because again, I'm kind of, I've been told that I am a uh, Chris Jericho lookalike. There was a guy, I was in Jacksonville, Florida, at Daly's place. I was at the airport flying back to Charlotte, North Carolina last summer, and a guy came up to me at the airport as I was boarding the plane saying, oh, I'm such a big fan. Can, can, I, can I get a picture with you? And I was like, okay, I am not who this guy thinks I am. I'm like, uh, what do you mean? He's like, you're, you're Chris Jericho. I'm like, dude, Chris Jericho has like 75 pounds of muscle on me. I guess we're the same height. We got the same hair. I am a twig compared to Chris Jericho, compared to most people, actually. Uh, and then I'm like, uh, yeah, I mean, he's got a big match coming up. I think it was uh, against Adam Hangman Page at All Out coming up in a few weeks after that in Chicago. And he's like, so you are Chris Jericho? I'm like, no, I just know the content, man. See you later. But uh, Chris Jericho was kind enough to answer one of my questions. Uh, and here it is on the Saturday Night Special. I asked Chris Jericho, what is your favorite Eddie Guerrero story? By the way, this was the funniest story you can tell about you and Eddie Guerrero. So many stories, man. Like, just one of the nicest guys. Uh, nicest guys I've ever met. There's, there's some stories that I probably shouldn't tell. Uh, but we roomed together for a while. And we, uh, Dean and Benoit would go in one room for a while, and me and Eddie would go in another. That, that later switched to Dean and I in one room and Eddie and Chris in the other because those guys always wanted to get up at 7 a.m. and work out. And Dean and I were like, well, can't we just sleep until 11 and work out at, like, noon? Like, we've got nowhere to go. If it's a show day, we don't have to be there until 2. If it's an off day, you got nothing to do anyway. So our house show day, we have to be there until 6. Why are you getting up at 7? we got to get up. we got to go eat. we got to work out. we got to go eat. So, but Eddie and I roomed together for a while. 
And um, he was the type of guy that uh, he likes to watch TV and fall asleep to the TV. Um, I like to sleep uh, with the TV off. Like when it's time to go to bed, everything needs to be off. So Eddie and I, uh, you know, always would have a problem with that. And I remember one time Eddie said, uh, hey, bro, you mind if I sleep, if I keep the TV on for a bit? And I was like, honestly? He goes, yeah. I said, no, I mean, it bothers me. Like, can you turn it off? And he's like, what? I'm like, well, you asked me if, if it bothered me, and I'm telling you that it does. And he's like, you got to be kidding me. Who would say that it actually bothers them? I'm like, well, who would say that it it's up to me and then get mad at me when I tell you the thing. Like, if you want, if you say, hey, Chris, I'll leave the TV on, go to hell, I'd be like, well, you know, F you, whatever. When you're asking me if it bothers you and I tell you that it bothers me, then turn the freaking TV off. And that led to us getting in an argument where we literally got in a fight in the hotel room. These days it was at La Quinta. And you can kind of fall over into the little, like this little area between the bed and the wall and they're like jockeying for position start laughing and whatever. But the next night we were in Minneapolis, we were drinking and we were at a Denny's and it came up again. Oh, yeah, at least, you know, at least I can sleep with the TV on. Oh yeah, well, at least, you know, I'd turn the TV off if someone asked me to. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Eddie's big thing was, you think your shit don't stink? You feel the froggy motherfucker? Jump. That was a good one. Are you feeling froggy? Jump. I've never heard that before. Uh, so I jumped and we got in a fight at Denny's rolling under people's tables. They're having their moons under Miami. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go this way. Oh, they're going to go early. Come back again. Uh, and never get arrested. Who's fighting in a Denny's at 2 a.m. and not getting arrested? So, uh, <laughs> I'm so bummed. I forgot to get my girl tickets for the show tomorrow. Now it's sold out. It's her freaking birthday. Oh, dude. She's only going to break up with you. She's definitely going to break up with me. Thanks again, Chris, for answering my question on your live Facebook stream on Saturday. Again, Chris Jericho hosted the, uh, what he was calling the Saturday Night Special on his Facebook account. Last week, he held a Q&A for fans during the stream, played some songs, sang some songs, talked about his time in WCW and how important it was to his career and his quick push in WWE, WWF at the time. He said WW, uh, or WCW was so huge, it was massive but that it was hard to rise up in the ranks there because of uh, much politics under Ted Turner. And he said he loved his time in WCW. He learned a lot there. Had he not been in WCW, he wouldn't have gotten over as big as he did in WWE as quickly as he did under the Vince McMahon regime. And he knew how to get over in the face of adversity and can't say anything bad about WCW and of course the season 2 premiere of Dark Side of the Ring debuted on I think it was March 24th this episode about Chris Benoit and Jericho of course is the narrator for the entire second season of the show and described his experience uh, on working it he just said it was tough to watch the Chris Benoit story and the Eddie Guerrero story but uh, he thinking that it was done properly and done by the right people of course it's not the happiest of stories it's very heavy like we were alluding to earlier but 
He's really glad that he did it and thinks it was done properly by the right people and enjoyed watching it, even though it was very, very tough for him. And he, he's glad it's out there. I mean, it was it's definitely not an easy thing to do, but again, it was done properly by the right people, and hopefully it gets fans to watch it and enjoy it. It's not easy, but it's definitely an important subject, definitely an important time in wrestling history, in the world's history, definitely an important watch for uh, most wrestling fans. And it would certainly be hard to find a more candid or even a powerful moment in the Vice TV documentary on the life and death of Chris Benoit and Eddie Guerrero than the soundbite delivered by Chris Jericho. And he said, I need to talk about this. If you don't want to hear it, if you're going to give me shit about it later and say I'm glorifying a murderer, then stop listening now. That was probably the best soundbite before the, the documentary started. And mentioning Benoit's name in any form has been an understandably polarizing move that probably typically avoided by uh, most organizations, particularly WWE, which was largely, uh, they have largely removed the wrestler once known as, again, the Crippler, the Canadian Crippler, from their history books. And yet, for the first time ever, Vice has brought together those who were more closely affected by the tragedy, like uh, Chavo Guerrero and Dean Malenko, uh, David, of course, Nancy's sister Sandra. And uh, although the film explores... Um, at length here, the likely role that CTE played in Chris Benoit's tragic turn, let alone steroids. Chris Jericho echoed the opinion of most in the documentary by telling the CBS Sports State of Combat podcast hosted by Brian Campbell, which you can check out on all streaming platforms. Uh, he was on the show Monday, and he said that we can speculate and come up with our own theories as to why Chris Benoit did what he did, as to Benoit's motives but we'll never truly understand, and none of that will ever change. And Jericho's biggest uh, uh, thing in the documentary was, th was that pro wrestling, the only thing he claimed that Chris Benoit truly loved in his life was the exact same thing uh, his death nearly destroyed some 13 years later. And the murders rocked, of course, the industry um, amid a rampant outbreak of, of untimely deaths, including, of course, Eddie Guerrero. Um, and for, for Chris Jericho, it was telling his story probably for the last time on this subject because once you've talked about it on audio, written about it, and now it's on video with television, I don't think the, there's really much more to say, at least in Jericho's case. And I, I think he thinks that it, he was glad to go through it and come to terms with it and let everybody know his perspective on it. I mean, he, he had a 10-year anniversary podcast a few years ago about the life and death of Benoit. He had Sandra on, and it, it, it's, been 12, it's been 13 years now, and nothing's changed. So Jericho's compared um, WWE's handling of Benoit's legacy since the murders to how uh, uh, O.J. Simpson's uh, on-field accomplishments are talked about since the fallout of his murder accusations in 1994. I mean, how could it not be? Um, I mean, that's what Chris Jericho said of Chris Benoit's removal from WWE history. He said that he was so close to it, having had some of the greatest matches of his career against Chris Benoit and matches that can never be seen again for obvious reasons. And he understands why people might not want to watch him. I mean, I understand why people might want to watch him from a wrestling standpoint, but I, I mean... I have no problems either way. I mean, Chris Jericho definitely understands both sides of the coin. I mean, they were close friends of his who, who did not want to watch this documentary, and uh, uh, he definitely understands that. If you don't want to watch, if you think it's too heavy to watch and don't like the vibe that it gives you, then don't. But it, it's really a great piece of work done by so many uh, talented people. And although Chris Benoit turned 
pro, what was it, five years before Chris Jericho in 1985. I mean, the careers of each constantly intertwined. I mean, both were trained by, uh, of course, the legendary Hart family in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. And after short stints for both in ECW under Paul Heyman's tutelage, Chris Jericho and Chris Benoit both joined the likes of Eddie Guerrero and Dean Malenko in helping change the business in the late 1990s with WCW by bringing the cruiserweight style uh, to forefront, really. I mean, they were all big jack guys, but they were all, what, 5'9", 5'10", 5'11". I mean, all four wrestlers then went on to uh, big-time success in WWE, and at the turn of the next decade has been Benoit using what Jericho described as a quote-unquote Clint Eastwood-type character. He participated in the main event of WrestleMania 20 in 2004 and cemented himself as one of the best technical wrestlers worldwide. I mean, he was definitely one of the best of all time in Jericho's opinion. He said he was very intense in the ring, a very smart in the, in, in the way he put together matches, just a really great performer all across the board. He was really a, a big influence on Jericho as a performer and one of the greatest of all time. And if you didn't know anything personally about Chris Benoit or weren't involved in things that happened, you might want to study his work as, as, as you should as a young performer who didn't really know the whole situation as, as a young wrestler. I mean, the one thing that I took from this documentary that Chris Jericho said is that they had a, a house match, which is a live event match, a non-televised event, and uh, Chris Benoit messed up, uh, I think it was like a, a, a knee kick or, or a, a, maybe it was a, a drop kick against Jericho, which is completely missed. I mean, it's a, it's a live show. Nobody sees it except the fans that are there. And Chris Benoit was in the in the back after the match. Chris Jericho went back into the locker room, and Chris Benoit was doing uh, air squats. He's like, why are you doing squats? Who told you to do squats? He's like, oh, I messed up in the match. I got to do 500 squats. And Chris Jericho's like, who told you to do that? He's like, no one, but I, I need to do 500 squats. Like, just the self-discipline there from Chris Benoit is just – it's actually quite – admirable about how he went about his his business as a performer i mean i mean it's because of the whole situation however that younger fans know so little about many in-ring classics benoit has helped author i mean randy orton versus chris benoit first title randy orton never won was against chris benoit and while chris jericho looks back fondly on i think it was it was a ladder match against benoit i think in 2001 at the royal rumble um, and, of course, their TLC match uh, uh, four months later in 2001. It's a tag team match on, I think I think it was in 2001 in May, that he, he said that he was most proud of. He said the one that comes to mind that people have said is the best Raw match of all time is, uh, is Jericho and Benoit versus Steve Austin and Triple H for the tag team titles when uh, Triple H tore his quad. And that's one of the best matches that uh, you'll ever see in the mind of Chris Jericho, in his opinion. And it's one of the best matches you'll ever, you'll never see it because of Chris's involvement. If there's any way you can find that match and watch it through, it's unbelievable. It's on YouTube for those of you that uh, are wondering, uh, where can I find this match? And if there's an even bigger tragedy that comes from this story, it's Jericho, it's the fact that Jericho believes it's, how much the wrestling contributions of Benoit's wife, Nancy, known as woman throughout the time, like I was saying before, throughout her uh, pro wrestling uh, managerial career, have become an afterthought. I mean, she was a great performer and had a Hall of Fame-worthy career as sort of a pioneer in that role as a valet, a manager, a personality. And Chris Jericho thinks that when you marginalize her life and define it by the way it ended, he, he finds it very unfair, not just for her as a person, but as a performer. I mean, that is one of the things that he'd love to see at some point is a, is a little bit more of her to be shown as a performer and not just as a victim. And he thinks it's important to understand that she did have a huge career 
in the wrestling business before she met Chris Benoit. So again, that, that documentary uh, about the life and tragic death of Chris Benoit, Chris, Nancy, and Daniel Benoit on Vice TV. You can check it out on, on YouTube as well. Dark Side of the Ring, Benoit, parts one and two uh, available. Now, the other thing that I wanted to briefly discuss was New Jack, because that documentary just came out on Vice. Another Dark Side of the Ring narrated by Chris Jericho, New Jack. New Jack, of course, Jerome Young, who's I think is he's best known for his time in uh, ECW, which again is Extreme Championship Wrestling, uh, kind of uh, Paul Heyman's idea, and that's where he became notorious for like his willingness to take insanely devastating, dangerous bumps, and of course he had kind of like a stiff hardcore wrestling style. Um, often taking high risks and quote-unquote shooting on opponents, which means that he would do things that were unscripted, uh, including the infamous 1996 mass transit incident, which they talk about uh, uh, quite a lot in this documentary. I mean, this event in pro wrestling, uh, it was a house show, an ECW house show uh, in 1996. I believe it was in November at uh, the Wonderland Ballroom in Massachusetts, and it involved uh, uh, Rich Kulas, um, uh, who used, used the ring name Mass Transit. He, he was being bladed too deeply by New Jack. Uh, he was part of the Gangstas during a, during a tag team match. And two of the Kula's uh, um, arteries were severely... They, they bled out. I mean, he bled profusely and then passed out and then needed to be escorted out of the arena uh, with the, the medical team, with medical attention. And further controversy arose when it came... Uh, to the attention that Kulas had lied to ECW uh, uh, owner and, I guess, booker at the time, Paul Heyman, about his age and his professional wrestling training. So the incident led to a future ECW pay-per-view being temporarily uh, temporarily uh, canceled and a lawsuit from the Kulas family against uh, Jerome Young, and they talk about that quite often. I mean, uh, I think it was Axel Rotten who was scheduled to work a tag team match with Devon Dudley against the Gangsters, which was New Jack and uh, Mustafa Said, uh, but they couldn't make the show due to traveling issues. And and Kulas, uh, a wrestling fan, again, who just turned 17, told Paul Heyman that he was 23 and convinced Heyman to allow him to fill in for Rotten by lying that he had been trained by Killer Kowalski, who, of course, was trained by, uh, or trained, he was the mentor of uh, 13, was he 14-time now world champion, COO, Triple H? And uh, he's a retired uh, wrestling star who ran, again, a notable wrestling school in the Boston area. Heyman even stated afterwards that he was unaware of Kulas's real age. And Kulas performed as Mass Transit, a Ralph Cramden-esque bus driver gimmick. And before the match, Kulas asked New Jack to blade him since he never had done it himself before. And, of course, New Jack agrees. And during the match... Uh, Dudley and New Jack brawled outside of the ring while Said and Transit fought inside the ring. And the match was booked as a squash, and Devon Dudley was quickly isolated outside the ring. And the gangsters then, um, they double-teamed Kulas in the ring with New Jack pummeling him with crutches, toasters, various other objects. Yes, I said toasters and other objects in, uh, you know, it's a hardcore-style match. ECW is what they were known for. And at the end of the match... New Jack bladed Kulas with, I think it was a surgical scalpel, and as the two had agreed, but he cut way too deeply and severed two arteries in Kulas's forehead, and Kulas screamed in pain, as we all would, and then passed out as, again, blood poured from his head, tons of blood. Uh, I mean, the event was a house show, like I said, and thus not televised. However, 
uh, uh, cam, someone was recording on their camcorder, of all things. I mean, camcorder footage was available, which was eventually used as evidence in legal proceedings against New Jack. And the video showed New Jack quietly asking Kulas after the blading, you all right? Um, that's what he said, and I quote, you all right? I mean, next, and the gangsters proceeded um, uh, to work Kulas over, even, even more with elbow drops and various objects as the match continued, prompting Kulas' father to scream, ring the fucking bell, he's 17. <laughs> Go check out that documentary as well. Uh, I don't want to get too deep into it. It is very, very, uh, uh, I mean, I know the Benoit stuff's kind of graphic, but this stuff, uh, it's kind of inappropriate. So I'll leave it to you to go check it out on Dark Side of the Ring, Vice TV. Uh, but of course, if you're in Canada, go check it out on Crave TV for all you hosers out there. So that was episode 179. Again, we'll be back tomorrow talking UFC with uh, Mikey B, Mikey Bataglino, buddy of ours from back home in Jersey. Gonna talk a little UFC. Dana White is persistent on having Tony Ferguson fight in the next couple of weeks. We don't know where it's happening. We don't know when. We don't know the time. We don't know the place, but it's happening. Is Dana White crazy or is he an evil genius? We'll discuss tomorrow on episode 180 presented by Belly Up Sports. Be sure to follow Belly Up Sports on Twitter at Belly Up Sports. And again, if you're into buying tickets, if you're into banging weights, eating steaks, and sleeping eights, use the promo code OSHOW10. That's capital O-S-H-O-W-10 for $10 off your next order using TickPick and use the promo code OSHOW20 for $20 off your next order at MeccaNutritionStore.com. Hit it, hootie. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.